Section 10 of Global Trends 2030, Alternative Worlds, by National Intelligence Council. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Patrick McAfee, Merritt Island. Water Management Water management will be critical to achieving global food security because agriculture today requires irrigation for 40% of its production and consumes approximately 70% of global freshwater supplies. Currently, agricultural irrigation wastes about 60% of the water withdrawn from freshwater sources. Efficient water management will be required to sustain a necessary increase in agricultural productivity. Even though desalination technologies might be economically feasible for household and industrial water, such technologies are unlikely to produce irrigation water from saline waters at a low enough cost to be feasible for agricultural use. As water scarcity increases, adopting technologies that increase water use efficiency will be the only option farmers will have for confronting global water scarcity. The array of such technologies includes precision agriculture and genetically modified drought-tolerant and salt-tolerant crops, as well as micro-irrigation systems and hydroponic greenhouse technologies. Micro-irrigation technology, which has advanced considerably over the last three decades, is likely to be the key technology for improving agricultural water management because it delivers a highly water-efficient solution. Although currently applied mainly to high-value vegetable crops, micro-irrigation is suitable for all types of crops. Using today's leading micro-irrigation technologies, the percentage of water delivered to a field is some 90% to 95% compared to 35 to 60 percent for furrow irrigation or 60 to 80 percent for sprinkler systems. Such efficiency comes at a cost, however, some $2,500 to $5,000 per hectare over a 10 to 15 year lifetime. Although rain-fed agriculture is responsible for 58 percent of global cereal grain production, Relatively little effort has focused on applying technology to enhance its productivity. Rain-fed areas of the world are largely regions with poverty, malnutrition, water scarcity, severe land degradation, and poor physical and financial infrastructures. Well-established inexpensive practices such as zero-till and mulching, which transfer more water to plants rather than losing it to evaporation, are not in widespread use. New technologies that contribute to improving the yield of rain-fed agriculture while reducing the need for withdrawal from surface water sources will become increasingly important. Agricultural leaders are considering harvesting water through managed underground storage. An increased demand for water is likely to stimulate governments to adjust their water pricing policies to encourage water efficiency. Farmers typically pay up to a tenth the price that industry and households pay for water. Thus, farmers have little incentive to save water. In spite of the high costs, increasing use of precision farming in irrigated land and, in time, 
higher yields from genetically modified drought-tolerant crops in rain-fed land may contribute to increasing the overall efficiency of water use in agriculture. Bio-based energy. If bio-based energy becomes cost-competitive, it could enable advanced biofuels and other products that derive from non-food sources to at least partially replace current food crop-derived biofuels and petroleum feedstocks in the next 15 to 20 years. A transition to bio-based energy produced from non-food biomass would radically alter world energy markets and be essential to improving food security. The nearest term advanced biofuel is cellulosic ethanol, derived from various types of biomass from agricultural and forest residues, dedicated energy crops such as perennial grasses and trees, and municipal solid waste. Other biofuels that could enter the market include drop-in biofuels, which are easily integrated with existing transportation fuel infrastructures, biobutanol produced by fermentation, and renewable hydrocarbons produced by algae and genetically engineered organisms are examples of such drop-in biofuels. Quote, a transition to bio-based energy produced from non-food biomass would radically alter world energy markets and be essential to improving food security. End quote. To avoid conflicting with food crop production, researchers are developing technologies that use non-food biomass feedstocks. Although production costs are higher than ethanol production from corn, some large-scale cellulosic ethanol plants are on track to begin operations in the next few years. Biodiesel, which is currently derived from food plant oils, used cooking oils, and animal fats, has seen a rapid growth worldwide, especially in Europe. Research into algae-based technologies suggests that such technologies offer attractive benefits including high productivity, the productive use of non-arable land, the use of diverse water sources, fresh, saline, and wastewater, and the recycling of carbon dioxide and other wastes. Achieving cost competitiveness for bio-based energy technologies is the primary hurdle for commercial success. Linked to that hurdle is the highly uncertain future pricing of fossil fuel sources of energy and wider use of battery transportation technology. In addition, consistent government financial support will be necessary for the development of bio-based energy technologies, which introduces another uncertainty for the long-term viability of the technologies. For example, the United States and the European Union have aggressive biofuel mandates that include sustainability mandates for reducing greenhouse gas emissions. Although some advanced biofuel technologies could meet these standards, costs are high and the technologies are not proven on a commercial scale. Solar energy. Solar energy, which has a substantial growth potential, could disrupt the global energy environment if it achieves a competitive cost with electricity produced from other sources of energy.
Because of government subsidies and rapidly declining costs, photovoltaic technology is now widely used for electrical power generation. China is already the leading manufacturer of photovoltaic panels. Solar thermal technology can also generate electrical power by using mirrors to concentrate sunlight, which is converted to heat in a solar collector. The heat is transferred to a heat storage medium, such as molten salt, which can be used for steam generation to produce electricity. Because heat can be stored less expensively than electricity, solar thermal technology can generate electricity when the sun is not shining. However, whether solar photovoltaic or solar thermal electricity generating plants will be cost competitive with other electricity generating fuel sources, coal, natural gas, nuclear, or wind is unclear. Some forecasts indicate that the projected costs of electricity production from natural gas and coal will remain lower than electricity production from solar power in the next 15 to 20 years. Other forecasts indicate that photovoltaic electricity production will be competitive with conventional electricity production without subsidization in the next five to 10 years. Meanwhile, during the next several decades, new highly efficient natural gas electricity generating plants are expected to come online and increased natural gas supplies as a result of fracking technology will maintain low natural gas prices. Despite its position as the most abundant renewable energy resource and its theoretical potential in many regions to exceed current total energy supply as well as its benign environmental consequences, solar energy faces some formidable hurdles to reach its full potential. If government policies to provide financial and regulatory incentives for solar energy disappeared as a result of strained government budgets, solar energy might not reach a cost-competitive position in the next two decades to be a serious competitor to electricity produced from coal and natural gas. Another hurdle facing solar energy is that it is an intermittent source, generating power only when the sun is shining. Without some efficient energy storage, such as large batteries or molten salt, solar energy will not be able to fully replace other energy generating systems. Rather, it could only operate as a hybrid system, relying on other energy sources, such as natural gas, to generate electricity when the sun is not shining. Additionally, widespread use of solar energy for distributed generation of electricity will require large grid infrastructure investments to handle the multi-directional flow of electricity in the distribution network. Health Technologies Disease management technologies in development promise significant healthy longevity gains throughout the world, while human augmentation technologies will likely transform everyday life, particularly for the elderly and mobility-impaired populations. The greatest gains in healthy longevity are likely to occur in those developing countries that will experience a high growth in the size of their middle-class populations. Although the current health care systems of such countries may be poor, developing countries are expected to make substantial progress in the longevity potential 
of their populations by 2030. Indeed, many leading centers of innovation in disease management are likely to be in the East. Disease Management Disease management is the effective control and treatment of communicable and non-communicable diseases. Today, physicians struggle to differentiate between many illnesses with similar symptoms. Obtaining results from detection tests can take several days, leading to delays in diagnosis, which can be life-threatening. Consequently, diagnostic and pathogen detection devices will be key enabling technologies for disease management. The future accuracy of molecular diagnostics has the power to transform medicine. The targets of molecular diagnostics include genetic information on disease presence or predisposition and the ability to monitor the physical manifestation of a disease. One enabling technology, DNA sequencing, is advancing rapidly with some techniques currently capable of reading a human genome for about $1,000. Molecular diagnostic devices will revolutionize medicine by providing a rapid means of testing for both genetic and pathogenic diseases during surgeries. Readily available genetic testing will hasten disease diagnosis and help physicians decide on the optimal treatment for each patient. Such personalized medicine will reduce the healthcare costs associated with physicians prescribing ineffective drugs. In addition, the declining cost of such testing will facilitate the cataloging of many more individuals' genetic profiles, which will lead to a greater understanding of the genetic basis of many diseases. Theranostics, the combination of a diagnosis and a therapeutic approach in one treatment may become an important discipline for disease management, reducing hospital costs by accelerating patients' recovery times and complications caused by invasive surgery. Advances in synthetic biology will likely result in production facilities making novel treatments and diagnostics agents. Advances in regenerative medicine almost certainly will parallel these developments in diagnostic and treatment protocols. For example, replacement organs such as kidneys and livers could be developed by 2030. The new disease management technologies will increase the longevity and quality of life for the world's aging population, tipping the demographic profile of many countries toward an older but healthy population. However, improvements in disease management technologies could be out of reach of poor people in countries that do not have health coverage for all. Cost is the major barrier preventing molecular diagnostic technologies from becoming routinely available in physicians' surgeries, although costs for genetic sequencing are rapidly decreasing. The cost per individual diagnostic test is more important than the cost of the diagnostic equipment itself. A move away from expensive biological reagents to silicon-based molecular diagnostics procedures should reduce the costs of genetic tests further. The drawback of today's genetic profiling is that the number of known disease-related genes is insufficient to provide mass screening. Synergistic technologies 
such as computer processing power and big data storage and analysis will be important for managing the huge amounts of data gathered by genome sequencing. However, with computing technology still advancing at a high rate, computer power should not be a rate-limiting factor. Acquiring government's approval for diagnostic tests will delay their implementation. Human Augmentation Spanning a wide gamut of technologies ranging from implants and prosthetics to powerful exoskeletons, human augmentation enhances innate human abilities or replaces missing or defective functions such as damaged limbs. Prosthetic limbs have now reached the stage where they offer equivalent or slightly improved functionality to human limbs. Brain-machine interfaces in the form of brain implants are demonstrating that directly bridging the gap between brain and machine is possible. Military organizations are experimenting with a wide range of augmentation technologies, including exoskeletons that allow personnel to carry increased loads and psychostimulants that allow personnel to operate for longer periods. Human augmentation could allow civilian and military people to work more effectively and in environments that were previously inaccessible. Elderly people may benefit from powered exoskeletons that assist wearers with simple walking and lifting activities, improving the health and quality of life for aging populations. Successful prosthetics probably will be directly integrated with the user's body. Brain-machine interfaces could provide superhuman abilities, enhancing strength and speed, as well as providing functions not previously available. Quote, the high cost of human augmentation means that it probably will be available in 15 to 20 years only to those who are able to pay. Such a situation may lead to a two-tiered society. End quote. As replacement limb technology advances, people may choose to enhance their physical selves as they do with cosmetic surgery today. Future retinal eye implants could enable night vision, and neuroenhancements could provide superior memory recall or speed of thought. Neuropharmaceuticals will allow people to maintain concentration for longer periods of time or enhance their learning abilities. Augmented reality systems can provide enhanced experiences of real-world situations. Combined with advances in robotics, avatars could provide feedback in the form of sensors, providing touch and smell, as well as aural and visual information to the operator. Owing to the high cost of human augmentation, it probably will be available in 15 to 20 years, only to those who are able to pay for it. Such a situation may lead to a two-tiered society of an enhanced and non-enhanced persons and may require regulation. In addition, the technology must be sufficiently robust to prevent hacking and interference of human augmentation. Advances in synergistic and enabling technologies are necessary for improving practicality of human augmentation technologies. 
For example, improvements in battery life will dramatically improve the practicality of exoskeleton use. Progress in understanding human memory and brain functions will be critical to future brain-machine interfaces, while advances in flexible biocompatible electronics will enable better integration with the recipient of augmentations and recreate or enhance sensory experiences. Moral and ethical challenges to human augmentation are inevitable. Game Changer 6 the role of the United States. How the U.S. evolves over the next 15 to 20 years, a big uncertainty, will be among the most important variables in the future shape of the international order. The United States' relative economic decline vis-a-vis -vis the rising states is inevitable and already occurring, but its future role in international system is much harder to assess. The extent of U.S. power in the system is important, in the short run because of the need for systemic public goods, especially security, and in the longer run out to 2030 because of the growing uncertainties associated with rapid geopolitical change. Even in 2030, the transition to a multipolar world will not be complete. The world's ultimate shape is far from being predetermined. An economically restored U.S. would be a plus in terms of the capability of the international system to deal with major global challenges during this long transitional period. However, a strong U.S. would not be able by itself to guarantee that the growing global challenges, particularly in this world of rapid power diffusion, were met. A weak and defensive U.S., on the other hand, would make it much harder for the international system to grapple with major global challenges. Steady U.S. Role The United States' dominant role in international politics has derived from its preponderance across the board in most dimensions of power, both hard and soft. The United States' weight in the global economy has steadily lessened since the 1960s, but it has been dropping more rapidly since the early 2000s with the rise of China's place in the world economy. Nevertheless, the U.S. remains among the world's most open, innovative, and flexible countries. Despite being home to less than 5% of the world's population, the U.S. accounted for 28% of global patent applications in 2008 and is home to nearly 40% of the world's best universities. U.S. demographic trends are favorable compared to other advanced and developing countries. U.S. strength also derives from high immigrant inflows and the United States' unusual ability to integrate migrants. U.S. industry will also benefit from increased domestic natural gas production, which will lower energy costs for many manufacturing industries. Over time, the increased domestic energy production could reduce the U.S. trade deficit because the U.S. would be able to reduce energy imports and may be able to export natural gas and oil. Increased domestic energy production could boost employment at home.
The multifaceted nature of U.S. power suggests that even as its economic weight is overtaken by China, perhaps as early as the 2020s based on several forecasts, the U.S. most likely will remain the first among equals alongside the other great powers in 2030 because of its preeminence across a range of power dimensions and legacies of its leadership. Nevertheless, with the rapid rise of multiple other powers, the, the unipolar moment is over and Pax Americana, the era of unrivaled American ascendancy in international politics that began in 1945, is fast winding down. The graphic on page 103 shows a snapshot of the relative power and factors underlying leading countries in 2030. A different setup going forward. The U.S. faces stiff economic challenges, not as clearly foreseen before the 2008 financial crisis, which will require broad-based structural reform if it is to avoid a rapid decline in its economic position. Health care is expensive and inefficient. Public and private health spending is 50% higher per capita than that of the next highest OECD country. As the population ages, these costs are expected to rise rapidly. Secondary education is weak, with 15-year-old American students ranking only 31st of 65 countries in mathematics and 22nd in science in a survey that includes many developing countries. The U.S. educational advantage relative to the rest of the world has been cut in half in the past 30 years. Without large-scale improvements in primary and secondary education, future U.S. workers, which have benefited from the world's highest wages, will increasingly bring only mediocre skills to the workplace. Income distribution in the U.S. is considerably more unequal than in other advanced countries and is becoming more so. Although incomes of the top 1% of Americans have soared, median household incomes have declined since 1999. Social mobility is lower and relative poverty rates are higher in the U.S. than in most other advanced countries. Despite its high productivity and competitiveness, the U.S. cumulative current account deficit during the last 30 years was $8.5 trillion, a reflection of extremely low household savings rates and government deficits. The context in which U.S. global power has operated has changed dramatically. It is not just a matter of the United States' relative economic decline, but also of the West, Washington's historic partners. Most other Western states have also suffered a stiff downturn, while developing states are accounting for a larger share of the global economy. The post-World War II era was characterized by the G7 countries, which were allies and partners, leading both economically and politically. U.S. projection of power was dependent on and amplified by its strong alliances with Western partners, which were forged during an extensive struggle with fascism and then communism. For example, Europe, through NATO, has historically provided Washington with many of its key coalition partners. 
even before 2008, the pressures on European security capabilities were apparent, and Europe had begun a substantial defense retrenchment. Looking ahead, regardless of the various realistic economic growth scenarios one can construct, although strong transatlantic ties will remain an important U.S. asset, the G7 overall will account for a decreasing share of total global military spending. In a multi-speed economic world in which the West continues to experience severe fiscal constraints, which is the most likely development for the foreseeable future, the trend toward an increasingly disproportionate share of military spending by the non-G7 will grow. Although the U.S. will remain the leading military power in 2030, the gap with others will diminish, and its ability to depend on its historic alliance partnerships will diminish even further. The U.S. ability to maintain near-current levels of defense spending is open to serious question. The trend for national defense spending as a share of the U.S. economy has been downward for several decades. The U.S. devoted, on average, 7% share of GDP to national defense during the Cold War, which dropped to below 5% over the past decade, including expenditures on the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. However, spending for major entitlement programs, particularly Social Security, Medicare, and Medicaid, has grown rapidly over the past several decades. As a result, it is difficult to reverse the historic trend or increase the share in the future of the absence of a major emergency. With an aging population and the prospect of higher interest rates in the future, the rising entitlement costs will consume an increasing proportion of the federal budget without major reform of the programs or substantially increased tax revenues. Footnote. See Cindy Williams, The Future Affordability of U.S. National Security, unpublished paper, 28 October 2011. According to this study, putting federal budgets on a sustainable path will require shifting about 6% of GDP into revenues or out of spending relative to their likely current course, according to the Congressional Budget Office. One study believes that an affordable long-term level for national defense would be between 1.6 and 2.6% of GDP, well below current levels. End footnote. U.S. Power, linchpin of the international system. Element of power, economic. Present status. The U.S. share of world GDP was largely steady until 2005. It is currently around 24% market rate of world GDP, which makes the U.S. still the single country with the largest share. Trendline. But the U.S. share of world GDP will continue to drop, and the U.S. will be the world's second largest economic power in PPP terms. Factors. China and India are gaining ground at an unprecedented rate, 
the U.S. rise in the 19th century was slower as measured by gains in world GDP. Element of power, military, present status, the U.S. ability to maintain near current levels of defense spending is open to serious question. The trend for national defense spending as a share of the U.S. economy has been downward for several decades. Trendline. Spending for major entitlement programs makes it difficult to reverse the trend of decreasing military spending. Factors. The G7 overall will account for a decreasing share of total global military spending. Although the U.S. will remain the leading military power in 2030, the gap with others will diminish and Washington's ability to depend on its historic alliance partnerships will diminish even further. Element of power. Political. Present status. The U.S. remains preeminent, though the unipolar moment has passed. Trendline. There is no competing alternative to the Western liberal order, though many rising states want less U.S. hegemonic behavior. Factors. The potential for an overstretched U.S. facing increased demands is greater than the risk of the U.S. being replaced as the world's preeminent political leader. Element of power. Science and technology. Present status. The U.S. remains the world's leader, but Washington has growing worries about declining educational and skill levels. Trendline. China's large sustained investments could make it close to a peer competitor by 2030. Factors. Technology is increasingly a networked and international enterprise. Leadership in key fields will increasingly entail working with international partners. Element of power. Soft powers. Present status. U.S. preponderance across hard and soft powers makes it unique among great powers. Trendline. The gap with others almost certainly will narrow, but China is unlikely to rival the U.S. in soft power in 2030. Factors. U.S. ability to integrate outsiders will remain a key strength for attracting the world's best talent and ensuring S&T and economic leadership. In other key domains, a similar pattern exists of a narrowing gap between the U.S. and its competitors and between the West and the rest. This pattern has implications for the United States' role and power in the world of 2030. The U.S. will still be the world's S&T leader in 2030, but the gap with China, India, and others will have shrunk. The U.S. continues to have the biggest contingent of top-ranked universities while the number in Asia grows and Europe's share has diminished. Under any scenario, the U.S. will have to contend with the growing diffusion of power, which would make it virtually impossible, as we stated in Chapter 1 on the relative certainties, for any power to act hegemonically. Power has become more multifaceted, reflecting the diversity of issues, and more contextual, Certain actors and power instruments are germane to particular issues. The United States technological assets, including its leadership in piloting social networking and rapid communications, give it an advantage. But the Internet has boosted 
even more the power of non-state actors and been a key factor in the diffusion of power. In most cases, U.S. power will need to be enhanced through relevant outside networks, friends, and affiliates that can be gathered on any particular issue. As mentioned earlier, leadership will increasingly be a function of position, enmeshment, diplomatic skill, and constructive demeanor. Is there an alternative order on the horizon? The NIC sponsored several seminars with international relations experts to examine the worldview of emerging powers and whether they were or would be seeking a fundamental transformation of the international order over the next couple decades. Many participants believe that today's emerging powers do not have a revisionist view of the world order along the lines offered by the Soviet Union, Imperial Japan, or Nazi Germany, even though their relations with the U.S. are ambiguous. Many emerging countries seek to use their ties with the U.S. to advance their national interests, creating freedom for maneuver. India sees the U.S. as a hedge against the rise of China, and Brazil recognizes Washington as a backer of its rise and guarantor of regional economic stability. Emerging powers are likely to be particularly sensitive to future perceived slights by the U.S. Words like humiliation and respect cropped up repeatedly in the presentations and conversations, especially with experts from those regions. As emerging powers seek greater influence and recognition in the international order, they are likely to clash diplomatically with the U.S. Elite and publics in emerging countries have increasingly objected to hegemonic behavior or extensive interventions abroad by the U.S. One of the attractions of a multipolar world for many of them is a lessened U.S. dominance. Maintaining and protecting one's sovereignty would continue to be a preoccupation, particularly so long as they feel their position in the international order is not secured. For most emerging powers, it was clear from the discussions that participants saw significant barriers to emerging powers building the political, military, and diplomatic capacity necessary to project power and influence internationally. In many ways, the intellectual capacity is even more difficult to acquire than military assets. As countries enjoy a rapid increase in their power, they will need to think about the world in new ways and overcome severe domestic constraints that can impede this transition. Participants saw China in a separate category. The U.S. and China will be in competition with one another, but they will also be required to cooperate to solve common threats and challenges and to protect mutual interests. This contrasts sharply with the Cold War, which was characterized by mutual independence and ideological rivalry. For China, the principal question is whether it can continue to operate within the existing international order or if it will eventually pursue a revisionist course. There was disagreement about which was the most likely outcome. However, our interlocutors 
agreed that if china does not seek to overturn the international order it is likely to be the result of events inside and outside china rather than the consequence of a grand design multiple potential scenarios for the united states global role the degree to which the united states continues to dominate the international system could vary widely historically many such powers have played a dominant role long after their economic or even military weight has lessened in relation to others the american economy surpassed britain's in the late nineteenth century but the u s only assumed its global role during world war two the legacy of u s power as chief architect of the post world war two order has a potentially long tail under this optimistic scenario we would expect the u s economy to grow steadily at about two point seven percent a year up from two point five percent during the last twenty years u s growth reflects both solid labor force growth and technological advance average living standards would rise almost forty percent in this scenario potentially engendering greater social mobility although the relative size of the u s economy would still decline from about a third of g twenty gdp in twenty ten to about a quarter in twenty thirty in real u s dollars the u s economy would remain the world's largest in market exchange rates in ppp terms however the u s economy would still be surpassed by china before 2030 trade would also still shift to the east the u.s share of world trade would dip from around 12 to 10 percent while east asia's share would probably double from 10 to 20 percent though its growth would slow sharply by 2030 japan would still become the central player in world trade and the largest trading partner of most countries Quote, a reinvigorated u s would not necessarily be a panacea terrorism proliferation regional conflicts and other ongoing threats to the international order will be affected by the presence or absence of strong u s leadership but are also driven by their own dynamics End quote a starkly different picture would emerge both for the u s and the international system should the u s economy not rebound and growth in the u s slow to an average of one point five percent a year through twenty thirty weaker international trade and financial arrangements as well as spillovers from u s domestic crises would slow growth in other countries by about zero point five percent a year slower growth would hold down u s living standards if seen as a country in absolute decline the perception itself would make it harder for the u s to lead big stakes for the international system the optimistic scenario of a reinvigorated u s economy would increase the prospects that the growing global and regional challenges would be addressed a stronger U.S. economy dependent on trade in services and cutting-edge technologies would be a boost for the world economy, 
laying the basis for stronger multilateral cooperation. Washington would have a stronger interest in world trade, potentially leading a process of world trade organization reform that streamlines new negotiations and strengthens the rules governing the international trading system. The U.S. would be in a better position to boost support for a more democratic Middle East and prevent the slide of failing states. The U.S. could act as balancer, ensuring regional stability, for example, in Asia, where the rise of multiple powers, particularly India and China, could spark increased rivalries. However, a reinvigorated U.S. would not necessarily be a panacea. Terrorism, proliferation, regional conflicts, and other ongoing threats to the international order will be affected by the presence or absence of strong U.S. leadership, but are also driven by their own dynamics. The U.S. impact is much more clear-cut in the negative case, in which the U.S. fails to rebound and is in sharp economic decline. In that scenario, a large and dangerous global power vacuum would be created, and in a relatively short space of time. With a weak U.S., the potential would increase for the European economy to unravel. The European Union might remain, but as an empty shell around a fragmented continent. Progress on trade reform, as well as financial and monetary system reform, would probably suffer. A weaker and less secure international community would reduce its aid efforts, leaving impoverished or crisis-stricken countries to fend for themselves, multiplying the chances of grievance and peripheral conflicts. In this scenario, the U.S. would be more likely to lose influence to regional hegemons, China and India in Asia, and Russia in Eurasia. The Middle East would be riven by numerous rivalries which could erupt into open conflict, potentially sparking oil price shocks. This would be a world reminiscent of the 1930s, when Britain was losing its grip on its global leadership role. Events will also drive outcomes for the U.S. role. The U.S. position in the world will be determined also by how successful it is in helping to manage international crises, typically the role of great powers, and, since 1945, the international community's expectation of Washington. Should Asia replicate Europe's 19th and early 20th century past and become a region divided by power struggles and rivalries, the U.S. would be called by many including potentially even a rising China, to be a balancer, ensuring regional stability. All countries would want and need stability to ensure their continued internal development. Potential crises that could occur in the 2030 time frame, such as Korean unification or a tense standoff between the U.S. and China over Taiwan, probably would lead to demands for sustained U.S. engagement at a high level. Asia is a region with a large number of unresolved territorial disputes, including in the South China Sea, 
where dueling claims are likely to escalate with growing interest in exploitation of valuable seabed resources. Other regions may require stepped-up U.S. leadership. In the Middle East and South Asia, increased rivalries and the potential for interstate and intrastate conflict are rising. See the conflict section. One can easily imagine widespread calls for strong U.S. leadership to stave off an open Indian-Pakistani conflict or defuse a nuclear arms race in the Middle East. Humanitarian crises, particularly those involving the need for U.S. lift and intelligence capabilities, will also help ensure continued U.S. leadership. As we described earlier, environmental disasters are likely to be more frequent and more severe. As a result, the United States military assets are likely to be in greater demand. Providing technological solutions for growing resource scarcities and, in some cases, spearheading diplomatic arrangements for better sharing of existing resources, such as water, are also likely to be tests of U.S. leadership. U.S. success or failure in managing these crises probably will directly affect the world community's perception of U.S. power. Historically, U.S. dominance has been buttressed by the dollar's role as the global reserve currency. The fall of the dollar as the global reserve currency and substitution by another or a basket of currencies would be one of the sharpest indications of a loss of U.S. global economic position equivalent to the sterling's demise as the world's currency, contributing to the end of the British Empire in the post-World War II period. Most experts see the usurpation of the dollar as unlikely in the next 15 to 20 years. However, the growing global and regional use of other major currencies, such as the renminbi, RMB, and euro, Sharing a global status with the dollar is probably more likely out to 2030. As Asia becomes the world's economic powerhouse and creditor, it is only a matter of time before its currencies also take on a greater global status. How quickly or slowly that happens will have a major impact on the U.S. global role. Quote, a collapse or sudden retreat of U.S. power would most likely result in an extended period of global anarchy where there would be no stable international system and no leading power to replace the U.S. End, quote. End of Section 10. Recording by Patrick McAfee, Merritt Island.